Hello and welcome to Hummingbird, a weekly podcast with April Lee Janes and Jessica Outram. Today we continue our book study with Learning by Heart, Teachings to Free the Creative Spirit by Karita Kent and Jan Stewart. We've been talking about the energy of connect and create, and today we look at another big part of the creative process, tools and techniques. And this is where we really get into the craft of things. So far, we've been doing a lot of looking, noticing, playing, and, and here's where we get into the, the, the technique and um, you know what it is we're working toward. And we have a special guest here with us today. We have Marie Anderson. I'm so thrilled that she's here. Marie is a good friend of mine. She is my focal teacher. She's also the conductor of the choir that I'm in, Safe Harbor. And uh, she's the artistic director for a local music program here called Song, Sounds of the Next Generation. And uh, we're just so thrilled to have you here, Marie. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. I should also say that Marie is also a listener of Hummingbird. And so you may find listeners that, you know, as you reach out and engage with us um, and we have these conversations off air, we think, hey, this this sounds like a great idea. Let's connect on air and have these conversations. So uh, as you know, we had uh, Jennifer and Jenny last week. This week we have Marie. We have another guest coming next week. And, and our guests, a lot of them have been have been listeners. So we're so thrilled. Okay, so let's jump into things and just check in and see how everybody's doing, how your week was, what's new. Um, April, how are you? Well, I'm here, even though I've been really quiet for a second. I had to close doors because of outside noises going around. And I want to say how pleased I am to have you here, Marie, this week as well and get a chance to meet you. I've heard a lot about you from Jessica, and I'm looking forward to adding your voice to this conversation. So it's going to be fun, I know. My boy, what checking in this week. It's been an interesting week. I learned a whole lot this week. And, and Jessica knows last week, she and I were having a little conversation before the podcast via text about how I was having difficulty getting back into my life because of the travel and the work and everything I had done. And I was feeling a little off my path. And she said, well, I hope you find your footing soon. And I'm ended the text message walked outside the door and I fell in the yard I slipped off the path to my studio and fell and I have been recovering from that all week I, I pulled some muscles and things like that and it really struck me I had been considering doing some other things outside of my art and it just felt like this moment when I was being said keep your eye on the path and don't go off pairing after all of these squirrels that we talked about a couple of episodes so to go stay where you're supposed to be and it's been that kind of week where i've been seeing that happening over and over again so i'm so thankful for the consciousness to pay attention to that kind of thing when it happens and not just say oh why did that happen to me it's like oh what am i supposed to learn here and i have a lot of gratitude for that that and and i need to pay attention and that's what i'm doing so <laughs> that's where how my week started and has gone. <laughs> wow, that's a big week, you know, and sometimes something that, you know, that wasn't comfortable or easy or nice to fall, but uh, maybe, maybe it gave you the pause that you needed. You never know. I always wonder that in my own life, that th when things like that happen, yeah. you know, is it giving me the pause to, to prevent something later or to help keep me yeah. on the road, you know? Yeah. How was your week, Marie? Well, it's uh, been uh, 
another week of change. Uh, change to be the uh, the operative word these days. And um, so the uh, song classes that uh, that I am directing finally started. We we weren't able to get into the schools because of the pandemic, and so we had to find other places to do our classes. And we have managed to do that with all of our strings with the Port Hope group of uh, singers. We, they were able to find a place and Coburg, I've had lots of problems finding a place. We're finally in to a church, St. Peter's, and it's a lovely space. And we had two classes there last week. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, it's been a and, long time since you could sing in person, is, has, isn't it? Has oh, it, yeah. Two, yeah, like two years? Up. Yeah, well, um, almost March of 2020. 2020. 2020. Yeah, wow. 2020. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and so we've been online ever since. And we still have an online class, but the, the other classes are now all in person. We have singers' masks, and uh, yeah, we're starting a new thing again. So I'm grateful for all of that, I guess. Yeah. yeah, no, those are all wonderful things. I had a busy week too at work and I've been trying to get outside in the mornings to go for walks um, before I go to work. But this week was just between the rain. We had a lot of rain and, and it was just too busy to get outside. And, you know, and I think because of that, the stress built up a little bit differently than it normally would, right? There's just something good about getting outside and, and connecting in that way that helps to put things into perspective. And I'm really grateful yesterday, I, I got the chance to go outside. I didn't get to it till yesterday afternoon. And I live near Lake Ontario and I went walking by the lake and the waves were so loud and crashing up against the shore. And it almost felt like they were, were crashing up and pulling out what I didn't need from the week and bringing it out into the lake and then crashing out taking what I didn't need anymore and taking it out and I could just feel you know the stress and not like any big thing happened it's just the stress of a busy week just kind of melting and and that was just such a gift and then today I went out again this morning before we um, got together to record and I was walking by the lake again and just feeling really grateful for for a number of things um I think like one of the big ones is you know when you look out at the expansiveness of Lake Ontario it reminds you how small you are and it puts everything into perspective. So something that might seem really big to me right now, I, I realize, oh yeah, that's really not such a big deal. I need to put that into perspective and 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 that helps me. And and then with that came just the the gratitude of after after doing these kinds of walks now for a couple of years. And going outside and, and working into that relationship, you know, time and attention with getting outside, um, I'm finding that I don't have to work so hard at it anymore. And, and I started thinking it's almost like when you meet a new friend and at first you're working a little harder to kind of keep that friendship alive and you're thinking, okay, what are we going to do next? What should we, should we go here? And you know, oh, this person might really like this. And you've got a real thoughtfulness to how you carry out your, your, that time and attention. And I find now it's like having an old friend and I, I just have to get there and make the time. And when I'm there, I, I get surprised every time. And it's like, you know, that, that that gathering with an old friend. So I'm just really, um, really it happy for those me, moments. Is, yeah. I saw poetry everywhere this morning. <laughs> it strikes me that this is a tool and technique that you, you've picked up and learned and adopted to um, help you stay centered in your life and, and find your poetry, right? It just, it's something that has come by, um, I, I don't know what the word is, just 
like a natural progression that you've brought into your life. It's all connected, isn't it? It's the way it's yeah. the way that you be like, you know, I know grammatically that doesn't sound quite right, but it's not what you're doing. It's it's who you are. And I've been having that conversation lately. And, you know, with this new job that I've started and people have been asking me, oh, how's the new job? And I said, it's it's absolutely electrifying. Like it's it's incredible. And I think it's because um, the work isn't no longer is no longer something I'm doing. It's just, it's, it's so tightly connected with who I am so nicely aligned. And mm -hmm. I've never had that experience before and it's just wonderful. So my wish for all our listeners out there is, is that they keep putting one step ahead of, ahead of the another and, and, and keep looking that there, it is possible to find that work that aligns with that. And when you can, it's, it's really quite wonderful. So yeah, and today you mentioned tools and techniques, April, we're jumping into our chapter today with our book study all about tools and techniques. And I think it's just so fitting that we have an expert here in Marie in in music and choral um, singing, because I think it'll be really interesting to look at it through that lens, right? We're reading the book through the lens of an artist and then thinking it through the lens of a writer as well. Um, and then Marie's going to bring that, uh, that lens of a musician here today. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. So when, when you started the book uh, or the chapter on uh, tools and techniques, you know, did it, did it, what, what stood out for you? What were your first thoughts? Well, I've read the chapter two or three times, and um, it's interesting. What stood out to me is that everything at the very beginning of the chapter uh, connects completely into music in, in exactly the same way, I think, that it would connect into, um, into art work or, or anything else, actually any creative activity. And then when it got to the you know um how to use white glue and <laughs> i i i was thinking of you marie on that part <laughs> well you know there there is there is chapter on that in music as well like there are specific things and a way to approach specific techniques that connect at the same time you know and so i didn't spend a lot of time on that part i i went back and read and reread and made some notes on the first part of of the mm -hmm. book and i'm going to buy this book for uh, some of my beautiful conductor friends uh because it's so clear what works and what is not so useful you know so mm. i loved that just breath play like using breath play as opposed to using um an art technique mm -hmm. using your breath to mm -hmm. and finding ways to develop your skill mm -hmm. and until that skill is developed your it's it's not as easy to to find feeling and and power in your voice whether your voice is on a canvas or whether it's um mm -hmm whether it's actually your instrument, your voice is your mm -hmm. instrument. And so that really relates to singing, especially, uh, well, in any case, but for me, pedagogy is a really important thing. It has always been very important. And it's been important in that if you practice the techniques for skill development, then you don't have to worry about them when you, when you perform, when you go ahead and mm -hmm. sing. And that there it is, you know, right there. And so that was uh, really interesting to me. I, I love reading about it in 
terms of art instead of singing. Like yes, that's interesting because I was applying this to my art all week because I feel like I am at that point where I've got the skills, I've been working on them for a lot of years, and it really is time for me to trust that and move into the saying what it is I need to say. And I've been reading Annie Truitt's uh, journals this week, and she was a sculptor, but she was a, a, a single mom, had children she had to raise on her own, as well as trying to fit her art into her life. And she said, artists have no choice but to express their lives. And when you have the skills, whether it's for your song or your art or your writing, now you have the tools to let yourself create that expression in a real authentic way without thinking about the, the structures that you're putting around it. It just becomes part of who you are. And that that's what struck me this week. And you were going right along with that, Marie, when you were saying, learn the skills and then just be there when you need them yeah and we and we found that um when we were when i was taking regular lessons um i would go to marie's every saturday morning for for a few years anyways and we would she always would start her lesson with um just the practice of a breathing technique or a singing technique and and then you know then i, I always need a little help learning the notes but all of those pieces were separate from learning this, from singing the song. And then it would always amazed me how once those things were in place and she would somehow set the intention through the exercises we did around using the body, which was so similar to what this book is talking about in terms of that simplicity and tool selection and the making of tools. Like, you know, Karita Kent and Jan Stewart are really saying to make art, you have everything you need. You have a, you know, a glue eraser. We don't need to go and buy all these fancy art tools to make stamps, to um, to do printmaking, even just can use our, our pen or our pencil and paper and, and words as art and, and how it's all right there. And I really feel like this just aligns beautifully, Marie, with the way that you approach teaching singing around how our body is that tool and how when you practice and open up different parts of using your body and singing, how it changes the sound and that we always would practice that separate from then letting go in the song. And then when we would do that, it always amazed me how the placement of the, the music would, would transfer. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. And you, you said it, you know, like if you practice the skill, your autonomic nervous system takes over, you know, like most of what we do is unconscious. So if we consciously practice how we want our body to feel, then when we go to a piece of music and look at the text and look at the notes and look what, at what the composer has asked for and set an intention as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to remember to open space in my throat and, and support low and all of those things, they conflict with the actual creation of something elegant and beautiful. And so if we can remember what we have practiced target practice you just keep doing it over and over and over again for skill development and then let that go and the intention that we set is what we will set up for what we're going to be singing mm -hmm. so trusting our system trusting our feelings and allowing that to flow into 
uh, what is being created as we sing. And it's different every time. There was a, Love it. there's a beautiful quote in the, right at the beginning of the book by Corita Kent that really, I think says what you're saying. She says, there are opposite procedures. To analyze is to take part, to create is to put together, and the two can't be done at the same time. So you have to have all that analysis and body memory in place, and then you're free to create. Exactly. Yeah. I had a teacher maybe 25 years ago who had a big sign in her uh, office that said analysis is paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and you know, the same can be said in writing, right? And when I think about all those years I spent as an English teacher and how much focus there is in a high school English class on that analysis and how little there is on the, the, the creating. And then I think about, you know, how we're preparing kids for a world that we can't even imagine what it'll be like. Think of how much it's changed even the, in the last few years and how important that creativity is and how important it is to practice that. And, and not to say like the analysis and the critical thinking is important, but I would think that they're equally important that, that giving that opportunity to put things together and to create and I always wonder, you know, what got lost along the way in the education system? Because I find a lot of the work we're talking about in Hummingbird is undoing some of the work that the education system did around, you know, creativity <laughs> and some of the harm that it's caused, right? Like, and that's just been going on for generations. And so what is it that's happened? And I wonder if it's that discomfort that can come with creativity that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a comfort in analysis that you don't have in creativity. Um, there's a, you know, you can feel a little bit like you're, you're in a labyrinth when you're creating. Whereas when you're in analysis, it's, it's more you're walking that straight line from here to there. You've got your, your destination um, on track. One of the quotes that I, I had out uh, that stood out for me, in addition to the one that April um, shared, is um, she says, the more tools and techniques you have, the broader will be your making vocabulary. And I love that idea, whether it's writing music or art or dance, the more tools and techniques. So it, she, she does emphasize the importance of the tools and techniques as much as she emphasizes that, that letting it go so that when you're making, you've got this, this vocabulary you can draw on. Well, and a quote that I loved uh, that, she, that she had is, a ruthless attachment to quality without sentimentality true feeling and power mm -hmm. there instead you know so you do the work and then you let it go mm. and allow yourself to to fly into the colors and the sound and the the experience of the words if you're singing and uh what the composer has put together if you're singing this song there must be something about it that touches you and allow all of that mm -hmm. to be at the forefront and trust that the technique is there for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it feels effortless, doesn't it? Yes. And I, I remember you even asking me, you know, about the feeling of the sound in the body. It, it literally feels like I'm doing nothing. And yet there's so much happening. I've, I've been finding that with the, with the painting, the watercolor, because I'm learning oil painting now. And I really struggled with getting myself to get in there and use them because they were so unfamiliar to me. There was that sense of having to learn technique and things. 
and it was it's a different body sensation than when I go to do my watercolors when I which I've been doing for years and I know what the tools are going to do and I know what the colors will do and I know and so I can that just comes to me I don't have to do so much analyzing as we talked about but with oil paint I gotta think right down to like how that do I clean these brushes you know now that I've made this mess how do I clean these brushes and it's all brand new and it's a different tension in the body versus relaxing and just creating with the other colors so mm -hmm. I, when you talk about the body and and, and also how do I want to feel you know I remember we talked a couple of episodes ago Jessica about the question is what do I want to say today what is it I want to express today and I don't care how you're doing it, poetry, words, or singing, it's the same question, right? What do I want to express today? And that the feeling is part of the technique. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. your own lived but experience into that, right? Goes into that yeah. technique. And at work, we've been talking a lot about the differences between appropriation and appreciation, because we're finding that um, often when teachers are teaching art, a common practice is they, they take an artist that they want to study and then have the kids replicate that artist's work. And I think that's a common practice in, in art making. Um, yeah. but, the, but the challenge is, is that sometimes, especially when we're looking at cultural pieces and Indigenous art comes through a spiritual lens, it comes through lived experience that the, the children don't have. So sometimes what happens is, is they're recreating, you know, just like it looks like, you know, a Morisot or a Benjamin Chichi piece. And then you have this wall of all of these that look that are replications, but they're not going to that next step of create. And that the, the, the purpose of that practice that artists do to try to understand technique is, is more so something that you would just do. And then that's your, your sketch, that's your practice. But what I really want to want to, um, you know, to help schools work on is how can we have kids appreciate the techniques that an artist has used, practice them in their own way put them through the lens of their own lived experience and then create something new that speaks to who they are, that it, that, that it's who they are. And it's because I find sometimes it, we don't get past that, that replication. So um, I don't know, do you find like, cause you've done a lot of, of art making as an adult. I noticed that as children, that happens a lot. Um, but is that, does that happen in, in adult art classes too? That idea of practice as that replication? Well, interesting because I'm going down to the Art Gallery of Ontario and I spent so much time with Lauren Harris's paintings. I'm tempted to go, and I probably will, try and replicate a couple, at least one of them. Because I want to get inside of his head as an artist. What was he trying to say? What techniques was he using that I might be able to adopt that might enrich my own painting? So I'm not looking to imitate him. I'm looking to understand him and see what he can teach me yeah. and i think that's that's the reason we why we we go and we look so deeply at, at klimt's work and and van gogh's work very different kind of work what are their techniques and what were they seeing and is there an expression in there that i can add to my own vocabulary as we we're talking yes. about here today that will enrich my vocabulary the same way that i read good literature to deepen my use of words and understand uh, wow, I don't know that word is. Well, let me look that up and see what it is. Oh, that's a cool word. I can add that. 
you know, yeah. that's the that's the way we should be looking at art as artists. And I think my guess is for musicians, it's the same thing. How did that person do that sound or why how did they interpret it that way? You know, but Marie, you can speak to that more than I can, of course. Well, and uh, in terms of my experience this week also, I had just uh, a mind-blowing experience, <coughs> excuse me, at uh, the rehearsal for Safe Harbor. Uh, we are starting a new season, and I have um, asked the singers to think creatively about how they are approaching each one of the songs that we're doing, and I spent the first two weeks of our rehearsals, like literally sitting on my hands. So I was not conducting. And we don't have an accompanist now. Our beautiful accompanist has retired. And so we're still looking for someone and I, I, I don't know how we could ever replace her. But at this point, we don't have an accompanist. So the choir engaged in starting the pieces, in singing through them, no conductor, everything a cappella, four parts. They're very skilled singers. And it came out at uh, on the other end, very different than what would have happened if I had been using my hands and coloring the sound the way I would. And it was quite an experience. And they carried on through the rehearsal, offering different ways to change what was going on. So that happened first rehearsal, second rehearsal, they did the same thing. Many, many uh, different shapes and colors and sounds and, and rhythms and everything came out of that. By the third week, I went in this week and said, okay, how shall we proceed with this? Well, one of the uh, men brought had brought a pitch pipe. Okay, so here's the pitch pipe. And he says, okay, here's Do, find your notes. And off they went. And then I went back and did a little bit of conducting and it changed things, of course. And then the singers said, well, let's try it now again without the conductor and let's see what happens. It was electric. It was unbelievable because they had brought so much of themselves into every note and into their listening around to everyone and responding to what the other people were doing. I went home, I thought, that is one of the like mountaintop experiences of my uh, conducting life, not conducting. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I love the word you use, responding, that they were responding. Yeah. Oh, to each that's, other. That's what we want to be doing. Yeah, they were responding and learning from each other. And mm -hmm. I know when I was looking at Lauren Harris's work is what what is my response to this? And how did he create that response? And what can I learn from that? And I think we again, we talked in a couple episodes ago about the idea of communication that without the response there, you're just, you know, singing into an empty room. But with the response, even to each other as the choir or to the other artist or to the reader who's reading your work, there's a um, there's a give and take, a generosity that happens that enriches both the, the artist and the singer review or the reviewer, the hearer, the reader, whoever that is on the other end, because and, that becomes a richer human experience. Yeah. And out of that comes new colors new phrasing, new ideas, which can then stimulate the listener 
it offers mm. it so many ways that is not only to that person who is performing, you know, so, or the people yeah. who are. Wow. That sounds amazing. amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I, and I, I'm sad because I wasn't there. I usually sing with them too, but just with starting the new job this season, um, waiting till winter and then I'll, I'll rejoin them. But uh, yeah, it just sounds awesome. Sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, as we have been talking through this idea and, and the idea of, of art and how that works with the tools and techniques. I, I think back to the work we did, Marie, when I was learning all the Ava Cassidy songs that I wanted to know how she sang them. And we went through song after song after song. That's all we did, wasn't it? And I started with trying to replicate what she did, even so much as I'd sing along with her in the car for hours and hours and hours. And then all of a sudden, those techniques were in place and I was able to let them go. And then we both were amazed how they became something completely new mm -hmm. just through that practice and playing. And for me, that was very, very powerful because I did set out just to replicate it. <laughs> I did, yeah. but then I wanted to internalize it. And then it was through all of that. And then through my own lived experience, and I love the word that you use color, um, that my own lived experience then started to color the sound and the way the phrasing was coming out and they're they're not quite the same anymore so when I when I sing one of her cover songs um they're influenced by and inspired by her but they're they're they are truly colored by my own lived experience and 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 we found that every time we did it it came out differently every single time we didn't know quite what would happen because of that way of of the song just moving through wherever the two of us were in that moment and um what I loved was we were so in tune because you would accompany me through those pieces that we were both kind of listening to each other and working off of each other in a way that the recorded background tracks, you just couldn't get that same um, letting go experience because you were trying too hard to, to, to be with where the track was at. But doing that live with you while you were playing really created that opportunity to open things up and to play around with pacing and tempo and loud and soft and just all of those pieces was really neat. Well, and to have the the pacing and the tempo and the loud and soft be directed through your emotions. There it is, right? Mm -hmm. Because as soon mm -hmm. as the emotion is connected to whatever it is you're deciding is the shape of the piece, then you have a work of art. Mm -hmm. every time you sing it yeah. and that happened with that piece you sang it in a concert with other people who were performing and choir that was performing as well and then when we went to your school and you sang it for your school all 800 kids yeah. in a, in, you know in, in the, the gym, uh, yeah. gym it was a completely different experience and completely effective again different yeah. dynamics different yeah. emotions different shape entirely so mm -hmm. that's art i in my opinion that's mm -hmm. so it sounds so you you really were playing with all of these ideas marie in the work that you're doing with safe harbor this week like it really sounds like the work that you're doing is so nicely aligned with the way that um karita kent and jan stewart communicate around the teaching of art um, throughout the whole book. But I'm curious about April because there was a lot in here about really specific art 
projects in a way where it hasn't been in other chapters. There's been hints of them and invitations yeah. for them, but this was a really art focused chapter. So I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear about what you played with this week. Well, what was really interesting is just before I started reading this chapter, I took a workshop on printmaking, <laughs> not realizing that that's what this chapter was going to be. And it was, it was um, line of cut printing. And I loved the way it gave me a whole new appreciation and way of looking at a picture because you're looking at it strictly in lines and what you want light and what you want dark and and what sits next to each other and it's a different way of looking at a topic or a subject so I, I kind of jumped into it from that and like oh I did this and it was interesting to read the extra things that she had I like the working with the glue and using different the eraser there was somebody at our group that had erasers there that was using and cutting up erasers. I saw some, I was looking for ideas and I saw where people had done it to the bottom of their running shoes. You know, they had done lino cut on the bottom of their running shoes, which I thought was brilliant. You know, And so art can show up everywhere. And that was the big thing I took away from it, that mm. there's serendipity and, and um, that happens and love it when it happens and then just learn and, and build on it. Like we, talked about with the artist you just what did I learn here what can I take away what can I add to my work and for me it felt like there was going to be a strengthening of line and a little more understanding of the contrast between a piece how do I really want to focus on this particular piece of my this particular item in my art what do I need to do around it to make that happen so there was there was a lot of learning there for me uh from the workshop, which applied to this book. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved what she said, the more tools and techniques you have, the broader will be your making vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what I feel like happened to me with the line of cut workshop. Suddenly I had a, a little more vocabulary to play with in my, uh, my everyday art, everyday, the stuff that I do out in the studio most days. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the, the pictures you posted of that too on social media. It just looked, looked so interesting. And uh, you, you, what I love about you, April, is that you, 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 you're not just in one place in the arts. You've really got this approach of, of all of these different forms and styles and uh, your vocabulary just continues to grow. You're making vocabulary week to after <laughs> week after week. And it's just uh, really, really exciting. I, I kept playing with the, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's kind of like, um, like the written word for you, Jessica, it's, it's, this is what I want to say. Now, is it going to be said better in prose or poetry, you know, and then I choose the, the tool that I want to use to bring it out. And sometimes I'll do it in two different ones and see which one has more clarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I kept playing with the same exercise from last week. Um, I really enjoyed putting that paper together to try and create a labyrinth with it. I know she says maze in the book, and I'm teaching a, a labyrinth workshop to a couple different organizations over the next month. And uh, I'm really excited about that. And so, and they're both in person. So when I originally designed my labyrinth workshop, it was online. And so I was continuing to think about how could I use this paper in this way to really have the adults in the workshop open up and play and see and, and really have that immersive experience through using that. So I was excited about that. And, um, and then the other thing I played with is really um, 
last week, just after we did our recording, I facilitated a workshop on birds. And uh, it was like a creativity chat on birds through art and writing. And when I was doing the planning for that, because we're so deeply immersed in this book, like I think we're past the halfway yeah, we're past, well past the halfway point. We're into the final couple chapters and um, I'm seeing it influence other things that I'm doing. So instead of being all up in my head with the pedagogy around what I wanted to plan and what the outcomes were, I let go of thinking about learning outcomes and instead focused to just responding and how I could build up these opportunities to be responsive. And so I've used some of the ideas that she had in the workshop. So for example, one of them was I took pictures of birds and then randomly attached quotations to them. And then I had about 30 of them. And then I asked the participants to just choose a number and then we would randomly enter into one, see where, where that took us. And it's hard to explain just to explain it. It really was an experience, but um, the, uh, the results were, were, were really quite fascinating. And it was like magical. And for me, I had a huge moment of insight. There was one example that we read about that was about a, and, and this just happened um, right before the workshop. I happened to find a book. I'm, it's still sitting next to me, actually. Um, this bedside book of birds. Since last week, I got to tidy up my desk. Um, but I, um, I opened it up to just a random page and there was this store, there's a picture of a turkey vulture and I seem to just see them everywhere that I go. And then there was a little reading by Thomas Merton on Zen and the Birds of Appetite that I read. And somehow that colored the whole workshop. And it was just, again, this idea of connect and create. And I, my big insight is I need to, with anything that I do, whether it's a book I'm writing, a poem, a workshop, I need to stop defining what the victory is and defining what the outcome will be. And that's a huge mental shift from what we're taught in every, you know, teaching mm -hmm. program to, to just setting out on the journey and allowing the victory to reveal itself to me. Like it was huge, 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 really stuck with me. You're going to love this quote. I, I, I actually underlined it and put it in my notes in my, my phone. It's from Annie Truitt's book, Daybook. And it says, for me, this process is mysterious. It's not, it's like not knowing where you're going, but knowing how to get there. And that just seems like, yeah, just goes right along with what you said. Love it. You don't know where you're going, but you know you're going to, how to get there. In terms of what you do, Jessica, and I've been part of many of your creative uh, um, workshops. I, I try to attend every one I can because they're unique. Each one is unique. And you always start with a premise, birds, and then off you go in some direction that I could never have come up with, like pairing pairing a turkey vulture with Thomas Merton. That, <laughs> that blew me <laughs> wide open. Like that was just uh, because I, I knew the quote, the Thomas Merton quote, but to have it represented in that way with, with that image. And then the conversation that ensued around that, you can't make this stuff up. It, it comes mm -hmm. out of the images and, and mm -hmm. the words placed together where they would never be place together you know mm -hmm. so it really and i remember uh one of the workshops that you did 
last year, which had Leonardo da Vinci's art and the cosmos, images of the cosmos. I'll never forget that experience. It just like mm -hmm. having those two ideas, large artists, large imagination, and then looking at those stars and, and the beauty of those images that are just up there in the sky and some something did that you know mm -hmm. oh. yeah and, you know it's it's been really really powerful for me and just amazing to see and it, it all really stems from this work all of the workshops really from the beginning this is my little secret book is taking the ideas that she has and then <laughs> and then letting go of my own agenda and seeing what would happen if and we've really been playing with that for we're in our second year of that and the the last one was really like i'm still thinking about it it there was just something that happened in that little time and space together that just went went beyond craft and tools and technique yet that's what we were focused on <laughs> but it opened into this, this whole new place. So I want to continue with that, with kind of playing with those ways of, um, of creating that are both simple and complex at the same time. So what are your next steps, April? What are you doing next? I'm diving deeper into the oil painting and Jennifer Trefiak from our guest last week, she and I have been kind of chatting offline. And I said to her, I had such a hesitation for doing it because I've spent so many years investing in the watercolor, uh, you know, learning it and the, everything. She says, take everything you know there and just move it over. And right. there was huge permission in that. Instead of me feeling like I was starting from scratch, now it's just, I only have a little bit, I just got to figure out how to clean the brushes. That's all right. And I, I'm going to be painting uh, more and more in that, I think, because there, one of the things I realized reading this chapter is I had been feeling really tight with the watercolors and it's and Jennifer said it's because you have to analyze the picture before you can actually paint it you really need to understand what you're doing because once you put the watercolor down it's done but with the oil paint you can just erase it and start over again and there's huge permission in that and it's yeah. going to let me go to a deeper level of creativity so that's what I'm doing this week playing with that Oh, that's exciting. Very exciting. What about you, Marie? What are you up to? Do you have any big projects on the go? I've set up a website of uh, called Big Ideas About Singing with the help of Jessica and two other great friends, Babette Leitner and Jennifer Moyer. And uh, we are making videos that uh, talk about technique, but technique connected to story and imagination and uh, movement. And uh, I'm halfway through that. So I'm hoping to get the rest of them done by the rest of the videos finished by Christmas. And the website is up, but it's a very soft launch at this point. And we will be making more formal advertisement and whatever when everything is in place. So I'm very excited about that. And very grateful to everything that Jessica has done to help me do that. Wow, so I've never done a 
website before. So. It's an incredible program and I can't wait for it to be really fully out there in the world. Uh, we will put a link on our site for people if they want to just have a peek at it in process. Um, but this is going to be a powerful tool that offers technique <laughs> that uh, music teachers can use. Um, and it will become, I think, part of the practice. And it's, 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 it, it aligns beautifully with what we're talking about today, because it is, it's taking the tools that you have and, and practicing technique over and over and over again, so that then when you go to sing that these fundamentals, these big ideas come out through, through the song. And it's really, really wonderful. I'm just so, so proud of you for that work. It's just amazing. And, and based on, on years and years of research and, um, yeah, really cool stuff. I am, I'm still continuing my ongoing life mission of shifting from creative time to creative all the time. Um, and I want to, to go as we start a new month, kind of be more mindful and intentional about that. There's no, there's no reason why this hour I set aside on a Monday evening is my creative time. I should be able to, to, you know, find a way to infuse it into everything that I do. And then the other thing I want to look at, and that's really coming out of this work with Karita Kent and Jan Stewart is, you know, it's that truly freeing the creative spirit so that that's just where you are at all the time. So I want to deepen that relationship to being present, um, see in different ways, right? Continue that practice of looking that we've talked about. And then as uh, we just mentioned in terms of what came out of that birds workshop last week is just letting go of predetermining the outcomes of any project, just letting go of those expectations and just taking mm -hmm. that, that one, one step at a time. So that that's my plan. So our playlist is, are we, is that where we're ready to go? Or do we have any last thoughts before we jump into the playlist? This has been yeah. a wonderful show. I really, uh, the time has just flown. Well, I uh, will add a link there to big ideas about singing. Um, and then the other thing I, I added in is a little article on Karita Kent and process. And it's wonderful. It shows the care that she took in her creations. And one thing we didn't really touch on as much in our show today, but that's a very big part of this chapter is the importance of having a professional quality product. That yes, Karita mm. Kent and Jan Stewart introduce us to this playfulness and this, this work that, that may not seem with, through the practice to be that professional quality. But when you get to making what you're making, to really make sure that you have the tools and techniques in place so that that quality is there. And so that I, it, that I, I thought that people might have more questions about that and how she did that. So I found this really great article that goes through and it shows you how even before she created her work that looks quite simplistic just to see it, she did a, a series of sketches and, and practice and play ahead of time before she landed on what it is that she created. So I added that in there. I'm actually expanding in another area myself. I'm going back to a first love, which was writing. And I've been getting a newsletter from a woman here in, uh, who does rug hooking. Her name is Deanne Fitzpatrick. Anybody who's been in who knows anything about rug hooking probably recognizes that name. But she writes these gorgeous essays about life and creativity and rug hooking. And I get them every week. And I realize that's a piece that I feel like I've been missing is my the writing side. I used to write a lot. I'd like to go back to that. So I'm going to have what I call my newsletter, which uh, I've just started to reach out into and I have a link to it that I'm going to add if anybody would like to get it. And 
that's my dream is to to begin to write those essays again about life in Nova Scotia and making art and just living and the things that I learn along the way as I go. So if anybody's interested, we're going to put a link to that out there too. Awesome. And and I just want to make sure listeners hear it is not a newsletter. It is a muse letter. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Great. Well, and then our next episode, we're going to continue with the book study. Do you know that that by the time we're done this book, we'll have done 10 episodes dedicated to this book. And I feel we've barely scratched the surface on it. I feel like this is it. We could just do a podcast on this book, honest to goodness, Um, like forever. Uh, I'm reading Amy Truitt's book this week and I'm thinking, what am I doing reading another book? But (laughs) it it seems to just meld it into this one. (laughs) I love it. Well, we have another guest coming next week and it's 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 actually someone who works quite closely with Marie um, and who also sings in Safe Harbor. Uh, Shannon Linton will be joining us uh, and, and she's another Hummingbird listener um, and we'll be looking at the section on work play and that relationship between work and play so can't wait to see you then. Thanks everybody. Thanks Marie. Have loved having you here this week. Yes I so appreciate this experience. All right. Have a great day everyone. Hey everybody, April here at the end of episode 11 of season two. And we had a guest this week, Marie Anderson. And with, I really wondered how she was going to fit her tech, her creative outlet into a chapter that seems so dedicated and focused on art techniques. And the big thing I learned from this is this is universal. And it doesn't matter what your type of expression is, creativity and creative expression and learning your tools and your techniques and then letting it all flow through you is just part of all types of creative expression, whether it's music, the written word, or, or paintings. And so I hope however you choose to express yourself, which might be gardening or cooking or decorating your home, that is all also part of your creative expression. So go out this week, have some fun with it really dive into your creativity and own it. Let it become who you are, not just something you do. Have a great week. Keep creating and we'll talk to you next week. You can find more podcast episodes and today's playlist at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. And you can learn more about our creative work at our individual websites. So you can learn more about me, Jessica, at sunshineinajar.com and more about April at aprillyjanes.com, A-P-R-I-L-L-E-J-A-N is in November, E-S.com. If you have any hummingbird questions for us to explore, we invite you to let us know. At thehummingbirdpodcast.com.